scripture this morning is Luke 22, 14 to 23. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. I miss you. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going to ask. Did you miss me? <laughs> it's, a, it's again, uh, um, uh, uh, from a grateful heart, I, I can tell you that uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm honored to be here and to share the word of God with you. But before I, I start to doing that, uh, I'm so grateful for the things that the Lord has been doing during this month that I was on vacation. I came up and you have a heat pump and people complaining that it's cold or it's heat or it's hot and I am like, wow, that's new. And now I, I have this new thing in the background of, of, of the, the, the sanctuary and I am uh, grateful for the people who has been working on those uh, things, Car, uh, Dinah's, Johnny's, Ronick, and I give you praise to the Lord for how the Lord used his, his, the members of his body to edify all of us and to bless us to, to all of us this morning. As well, I want to give a, a, a warm welcome to all those new people and uh, students that are coming back for school. This is, I think, uh, um, uh, the first time that they are coming in preparation for their studies. They want to be ready and they are here uh, praying and asking God <laughs> helps for the what is coming so welcome and please uh, feel like you are at home and this is your place and in any way that we can serve you and help you and encourage you you just need to let us know uh, so with that in in saying that i just want to open this time with a word of prayer amen lord we are coming this morning before your word, with the expectation that you will speak to us. You, give, you gave your word, Lord, for our, uh, for our correction, for our training, uh, and we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you will do these things this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen, amen. 
In the U.S., it is a tradition that those sentenced to death are given a last meal. Usually, the menu is published in the media, you know, TV, internet, and newspapers, and apparently, this request creates a lot of interest in the public. People want to know what a person condemned to death asks for eat and drink before they die. And I am not the abstention. When I Google it, what a death man asked for their last meal, I found out that they asked for a Big Mac combos, KFC, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets, rice and beans, steaks, and believe it or not, one asked for just an apple. So, our passage for this morning take us to the last supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's passage take us back to the last nine hours of Jesus' death. In the following hours, he will be arrested, accused, beaten, disfigured, and crucified. So, that is why this Last Supper has a great meaning, a great importance, and is for a, it has a great relevance for Jesus himself. If you look back in the previous verses, verses uh, chapter 22, verses 7 to 12, you will find out that Jesus sends Peter and John to prepare the place, and the Passover meal. Jesus was on top of every detail here because he knew that the hour of his death had come. He was aware of this moment in his life. He knew the coming hour of his crucifixion because since the beginning of his ministry, he announce that I, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down by myself. Since the beginning, he was announcing this. There was not confusion in his mind about his purpose. His was a willing sacrifice in complete submission and total agreement with God the Father. And I want to tell you something very interesting. Even before the world's creation, there was a plan that God would send His Son the Lord Jesus Christ to be the final Passover lamb, to pay the penalties for sin. That's what Peter was later telling in 1 Peter 1.20. He is the lamb who was known long ago before the world existed. So, 
The Passover was just a signal pointing to the final and perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God. You remember John the Baptist when he saw Jesus for the first time, what he was telling the people? The Lamb of God who takes away what? The sins of the world. Jesus knew he would die in Jerusalem. He knew by whose hands he would die. He knew it would be on Friday, the 14th day in the month of Nisan. Hebrews 12.2 tells us that he lived with the cross in mind. All the time. And dear friends, Jesus was not a victim. Jesus was not a backup plan because something went south with humanity. Everything he did was in perfect harmony with his divine plan. And that's what we are seeing in the verses that we just read. The verses 14 to 18 says, And when the hour came, yes, the hour of the Last Supper with his disciples, but when the hour came, as Will talks about the big picture of his ultimate sacrificed the moment in history that would that he would change the course of humanity and when the hour came if we continue reading in verse 14 he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them i have earnestly desire to eat this passover with you before i suffer if you read again, I have earnestly desire. In the original says, I have desire, desire to eat this Passover. It's like they, they, he, the, the writer in Greek is stressing that he has a strong desire to be eating with his disciple this time before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourself. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of God comes. So if you see, this passage is divided in two parts. The first is about Jesus celebrating the last Passover in the verses we just read. But the second part, the last part, is about Jesus instituting the first communion. In verses 19 to 22, we will see how he now is presenting a new covenant. But let's start talking a little bit about the Passover. 
We saw it a little bit in the video. And the Passover is when the people of Israel celebrate God's deliverance when the angel of death passed over the homes that had the blood of, of a sacrificed lamb on their, on their doorpost back in Egypt. Do you remember that, that event in history? So, Passover helped us to understand some important things here. And I want you to, I want to ask you to, to just, for this moment, to pay attention because this is key in the history of our salvation. First, God to pass over his judgment of the house of the Israelite, the sacrifice, the death of an innocent animal was necessary. And the second thing we learn from the Passover is that the Israelite didn't receive God's judgment because a substitute, substitute took their place. That is what Passover was all about. That is what the whole sacrificial system established by Moses in the Old Testament was all about. God established a covenant with his people. As long as there was a substitute, substitute, that word is difficult for me, as long as there was a substitute for the people's sin, he would not bring judgment. He would pass over his people. And later, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, says this. The old system, I ha you have it there on your screens. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system, the old system, the old covenant, were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were not, they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who come to worship. So now let's come back to the upper room. So now in the upper room, in this last Passover, Jesus introduces a new covenant as he leads the first communion. Jesus said, these and he was taking the bread 
And he was taking the cup, and he was saying, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood. This is my blood poured out for you. This is my new covenant. A Bible commentator uh, says this, by way of analogy, this meal is a video sequence in which one image fades away while at the same time a superimposed image is coming into focus. It's like when you have a blur image and you can see part, but slowly but surely you can start see what is the real image behind. That is what was happening here in the upper room. So, let's talk a, lo a little bit about these elements, these two elements that the Lord introduced in the first communion, the bread. And he took, in verse 19, says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Jewish nation always ate bread when they celebrate Passover. But here, Jesus gives the bread a whole new meaning. From now on, he says, when you break the bread, remember that my body was broken for you. You remember the Passover, the death of an innocent animal? Now my body is broken for you. Not just for your benefit, but in your place. When you read the word there, for you, is talking about in behalf of you, in your place. You deserve to die, but I am taking your place. This is my body, which is given in your place. In the American Civil War, a man was kneeling at a soldier's grave in Nashville, Tennessee. And a bystander asked him, is this the grave of your son? No, replied the man on his knees. I am a poor farmer and have seven children, all of them John, and I have a wife. And I was drafted into the Union Army. And despite the hardship this will cause to my, to my family, I was required to serve. But in the morning, I was to depart. The man who now lies in this grave came over and offered 
to take my place in the world. And when the farmer stepped out, the bystander could see the, could see the words he had written on the gravestone. He died for me. That is what Jesus is telling his disciples. My body is for you. But then we have the cup. In verse 20 we read, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, He took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. The Old Testament is full of blood sacrifices that God established to emphasize that sin requires a payment. There is no way in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant, there is no way that God can close his eyes to the sin of humanity. There is no way because if he is just, if he is holy, he will not be that if he just closed his eyes. Oh, no. Like sometimes when I am looking at my daughters doing something and I am so tired, and I, I will not pay attention, right? I will talk to later. God cannot do that when we sin. So that was the symbol in the Old Testament of all these bloody sacrifices. There must be a payment for sin. But as we read in Hebrews 10, these sacrifices were offered again and again because they were only animal sacrifices. They can, could not pay for human sin. But here, on the eve of Jesus' sacrifices, sacrifice, Jesus announced that he would establish a new covenant. And what, what was this new covenant? You don't need to sacrifice anything. You don't need to do anything. I will sacrifice myself and I will present my blood, a perfect sacrifice, and I will present my blood in front of the Father. And that is going to take away, it's not just cover the sins, take away the sins. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of the old covenant. A new covenant has come where Jesus is all we need. 
If you notice when Jesus is explaining this new covenant, it's just him making the agreement. There is no participation on his disciples' part. Jesus is telling them, keep calm. I'm taking your place once for all. This is for you. So Jesus, rather than thinking about what he wanted for himself in his last supper before he died, he thought about what he was going to give to you and to me at his death. He will give us his body, and he will give us his blood for you and for me. J.C. Riley explained this, saying, the two elements of bread and wine were intended to preach Christ crucified as our substitute. They were to be, to be a visible sermon. This is a visible sermon appealing to the believer's senses and teaching the old foundation truth of the gospel that Christ's death on the cross is the life of man's soul. When God the Father now look you and me and he see, sees the blood of Jesus, he pass over because of Jesus Christ. This passage is the last Passover and the first communion. And help us to look back with gratitude. That's why he was telling us, do this in remembrance of me. I was hearing a pa uh, 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 um, a professor uh, this week saying, one of the biggest mistakes that all people make is to forget what God has done for them. And he says, go back in the Old Testament and read the book of Judges. They live in a way that was so horrendous, even worse than the peoples around, the people in Canaan around them, because they forget what God has done for them. And Jesus as well, he's asking us, do this in remembrance of me. If you don't want to become a hardened heart to the things of God, you need to always remember in your heart what Jesus did for you. And that's why we celebrate once at the beginning of every month the Lord's 
communion, the Lord's, Lord's Supper, to remember, to keep fresh in our hearts, in our minds, what Jesus did in behalf of you and me. It also helps us to look forward Imagine the disciples in the last moment hearing Jesus telling them all of these things. They were sad. But Jesus was telling them, no, my friends, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. So we can look forward to the coming kingdom of God where we are going to be together and we are going to celebrate a big meal with Jesus Christ. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim his death until he comes for a second time. We are today one communion closer to be with the Lord. We are today one communion closer to be with the Lord. And this, this hope gives us as my Bible study says, the endurance and willingness to live now in the radically different ways that Jesus calls us to. This hope gives us the endurance and willingness to live now in the radically different ways that Jesus calls us to. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for all of us. Thank you, Father, for your plan bring hope and salvation to all of us. We bow our heads now because Jesus bow, bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We bow in reverence, in respect, in awe, in awe and in adoration for the person of Christ, for the words of Christ, and for the cross of Christ. This morning, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit so that our worship in this moment will bring true honor to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.